Welcome to a live preaching message from Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan, New York. Lighthouse Chapel International Manhattan is the Apache branch of the Lighthouse Chapel International Churches in the United States of America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to preach and teach the Gospel wherever they might be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. As Reverend has been trying to impress on, on us in the past few weeks, things just don't drop in your lap. Things just don't drop from the skies. I, 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 I think one of the examples he used was like good grades in school. Good grades don't drop on your lap. By the time everybody has hit age 11, good grades will not drop in your lap just because you have better brains than someone else. Good, at, a, at a certain point, if you will not do the work, you will not make it. It, 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 it doesn't matter how smart you are. The fact that you want to do well, and it, I mean, even when, if, you, if you've had any level of education beyond elementary school, the fact that you want to be the kid who's getting the prizes on the whatever day they are, they are giving the prizes or getting the, the best kind of degree in this country at graduation, it, it doesn't drop, it's not going to drop into your lap. In the same way, a lot of other things in life do not drop into your lap. If you are married, you want to have a good marriage, it won't drop into your lap by you doing nothing about it. If you are, if you, uh, you the grades won't drop into your money, money, money will not drop into your lap. Money doesn't fall from the sky. Money, unless you inherit it. You see, this past week, they showed us a Prince George from the UK turning three, feeding ice cream to some sheep or dog or something. I mean, I was very, it was a dog, right? Okay, okay. I wasn't sure whether it was a sheep or a dog because I wasn't wearing my glasses and I was standing far away when the, the, the thing came on the screen. But there was some controversy about whether or not he should have been feeding whatever it was he was feeding to, the, whatever animal he was sitting by. You see, somebody like that, the money, when he was born, it, 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 it's there. You, you get me? He was born with a what, what is what do you call a silver a silver spoon in his mouth. That's the English phrase. That's the correct English phrase. It's not golden spoon. It's silver spoon in his mouth. He was born like that. You get what I'm saying? So that's the way he was born. For most of us, money does not drop from the skies. You get me? I was explaining to another one of my sons that the fact that you want to pledge to a good cause in church does not mean you should pledge money that you do not have. So if you pledge the money, you'll be working in my garden the whole summer. You, you get what I'm saying? Because garden is extra work. You, you get what I'm saying? Your room and the other things, I can't pay you. And you need money to go and pay your pledge. You get what I'm saying? So the whole summer, you are my employee. Because that's the only way you get money to pay your pledge. Because you went to pledge and you know you don't have the money. And you have to catch the principle that the same way I cannot pledge your father's money at that service, you can also not pledge both our monies because you are a child. It's very simple. So if you pledge, you work in my house. You work in my garden. Go for your room. If you clean it, it's normal. You are supposed to clean it. So you have to do some extra work so that your pledge can be paid. It's very simple. Because money does not drop from the skies. And if it's a principle that when you don't get early, it will bother you your whole life. If you want to live at a certain level, another one of my sons likes disturbing us these days about 
I don't think I want to go to med school. Okay, it's not a problem. Whatever you want to do, do it. But your father says there's a cut-off age for him taking care of you. You, you get what I'm saying? So by 26, four years after your first degree, you are on your own. So you don't have to go to med school. You don't have to do anything. You get me? You can go and learn how to... You can decide to teach math in high school. You can t- decide to teach science in high school. You can do whatever you like with your undergrad degree. But at 26, you get me? At 26, nobody is responsible for you. It's very simple. A lot of things in life, it's, it won't drop on your lap. Nobody is, respons- is responsible for you after 26. After 26, you've been given, your father has even been kind. You have been given four years after your first degree. Some people's parents were not taking care of them even before they turned 18. Your father has been kind, very kind, to allow you up to 26. So, Keep on talking about theories. Ah, maybe I will do this. Maybe I won't do that. Maybe I will take a gap year. Maybe I, it's okay. All the talking can go on. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. Because you cannot expect somebody who is pushing sixty to be working his, I mean, working hard so that you can have theories about life. It's not right. Yes. By that time, the person too should be relaxing. Yeah, I mean, how many people think it's a good idea? By the time you're pushing 60, you should be relaxing. Uh huh. So, at that time, so as you are having theories between 18 and 26, just be thinking that there are people who wish they were like you, that somebody will even be concerned for them before 18, let alone be concerned for them after 18. Uh huh. So, that's what theories, theories, nobody can live on theories. You can't take a theory to the grocery store. You can't take a theory to the car store, the, where they sell, what do they call them? The, the, the car dealership. You can't take a theory to the car dealership. You can't take a, a theory to the realtor's place to buy a car. So as somebody has looked after you and you've had a room your whole life, we pray that your children will have rooms with your theories. But theories, they don't, they don't pay for rooms. A lot, of, a, a lot of talking doesn't pay for rooms. Yeah. Selection of the aim and maintenance of your aim is the number one principle of war. Bishop writes, and I'm reading this, I'm reading. It says, you must select your aim and keep at it. Some of us, our problem is not that we can't select the aim. We can select the aim. But the keeping at the aim and the maintaining of the aim is our problem. It's one thing to select the aim. Lord, I want to weigh 150 pounds. I thought that one is easy. That one is easy. Everybody knows that a normal adult should be 150 pounds. And if you are shorter, you should be lighter, lighter, uh, lighter than, uh, less than 150 pounds. That one is easy. If you Google it, the information is on the internet. You don't need to be a doctor. You don't need, need a degree in a biology. You don't need a degree in health science. You don't need a degree in anything. Anybody can Google the information. Selection of the aim. That one not easy most of the time. The maintenance of the aim. That's where the problem starts. Selection of the aim, no problem. We all have, uh, by the time I'm 36, I will be a millionaire. How difficult is it to say that? I just said it. It's not difficult. It doesn't require any effort. I'm not even sweating. By the time I'm 36, I will be a millionaire. It's very easy. By the time I'm 26, I will be married. It's very easy. It just requires requires for somebody else to agree with your statements. 
By the time I'm 26, I will have three children. Again, it requires somebody else's input. You, you, you got what I'm saying? And, and, and a, lot, a lot of other things working together for good. It, selection of the aim is important. But maintenance of the aim, I, I, dare, you, I, I dare say to you that it's like 90% of the problem. Maintaining the aim. Actually getting there is 90% of the problem. So, a successful military, you must select your aim and keep at it. If your aim is to start and grow churches, stick to it. If your aim is to start and to grow churches, stick to it. That's one of the things we can say about our bishop. He has stuck to it. For those of us who have known him since he was a medical student, he has stuck to it. He, selection, he selected the aim. So when other people are coming abroad to study medicine further, he, he doesn't join them because he doesn't see how it will help him to start and grow churches. He's stuck to his aim. Even when the sticking to his aim is costing him everything, he stuck, sticks to his aim. It's because you don't have an aim that you can't stick to anything. So when you have an aim and you are sitting on a college campus and your aim is to graduate on time and your friends are going to the pub, in the UK we used to say that the pub, but your friends are going to the club or wherever every weekend, you don't join them because you have an aim. You understand why you are on the campus. You understand that you are on the campus to, be a, to, to graduate. You understand that you are a Christian. So you have two aims, to remain a Christian after the four years is done, and you have another aim to actually graduate with a degree. And when you have that aim, you, and you stick to it, and you maintain the aim, you will actually have a degree on graduation day. But when you start school, and you don't have an aim to graduate at any time, five years' time, you'll be telling us stories. Cock and bull stories, you'll be telling everybody. Six years, you'll be telling us stories. Cock and bull stories, as though we were born yesterday. We were not born yesterday. You didn't see that the, the number of years they celebrated our birthday a year or two ago. You, we were not born yesterday. You cannot be telling us these cock and bull stories about why you don't have a degree after five years. We are not children. It's just that sometimes it's not politically correct to tell you what we must actually tell you. And since you are not my child, I will, I will reserve my opinion. Because if I talk, you will say that this woman, she's very, very hard. You see? And it's not necessary. It's, I don't gain anything by telling you what I actually think. But if you actually ask me what I really thought, a person who does not have a degree in five or six years after they started, when they don't even work for a living, there's a lot wrong with you, but you don't know. Because you have, you, you have, you have classmates, you have classmates who work to pay their rents. You have classmates who put clothes on their own backs. You have classmates who have been paying their mother's rent since they were freshmen. And they are going to school and they rather are on course to get their degree. So why do you not have a degree? Why? Why don't you have one? Why don't you have one? And those of you who think those kind of things are good examples, don't try it. It's a bad way of living your life. It's a very bad way of living your life. But... Let's, let's continue. So when you are selecting the aim, what is the aim? You have to ask yourself, as a church, what is our aim? As a church, how do we maintain the aim? How do we maintain the aim? You select the aim. The aim is 1 Corinthians. One of the aims is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It means you abound in the work of the Lord when times are good. You abound in the work of the Lord when times are bad. You abound in the works of work of the Lord when times are difficult. You abound. It says always abounding in the work of the Lord. It says, be ye steadfast and movable. Sometimes the church we forget what we are about. Sometimes we don't know what we are doing. You see, so a successful military operation is aimed at an objective that can be achieved. A lot of us to set objectives that cannot be achieved. You see. If I start saying that I want to lose weight to the point that I look like GoFax, it's not an achievable aim. At my age, with my genetics, it's a wrong goal. It's a wrong goal. GoFax, how old are you? GoFax is 15. Even my youngest kid is not 15. You get what I'm saying? So, if some aims, some, some things you should not set as an aim, it's not a good aim to have. When I was in school, my, a friend of mine and myself, I, mean, I remember we said, she said, we used to set an aim, so we were about 14, and we used to think, okay, what can we do this day? She, she was in charge of the group. She said, what does she do these days? She's in, in charge of, uh, she runs a residency program in the, south, in the south of this country, and she was in charge of the group. There were about five or six of us, and we were really very young for our class, and she would sit down at the beginning of the year, she, she would have a meeting, and if you are not there, she'll come and get you. And then when she was, so, so what, what is the aim this year? Then one of the girls said, she said, we have to beat the girl who tops the whole form. And she said, that's a foolish aim. You see, my friend, she was wise even back then. Because she had been able to understand in the first three years of secondary school that that girl was too smart to be passed. So it's not a good aim to have. Again, that, that, that lady is an anesthesiologist. She lives on Long Island. She said, so she said, that is not a good aim. You have to have an aim that can be achieved. The objective must be achievable. You get me? You don't get into a class. When you get into a classroom, you must be able to identify what my niece calls the crazy smart people. Crazy smart is different from hardworking smart or normal intelligent smart. Crazy smart the person has something genetically that you can't work to get. It's a God-given gift. And you are not supposed to be at attempting to pass that person. You're supposed to be attempting to be your best. You get me? I don't, I don't think school has changed that much these days. In most classes, uh, Michelle, you teach. Am I saying what? The person is beyond a certain... It's because you... you it's if you have studied hard and harder and hardest, then you still can't pass the person. You should have identified that this person is, you are not supposed to pass the person. You are supposed to be doing your best. Uh -huh. Person is what my niece calls crazy smart. It's not a normal thing. There are, there are, there are not that many people like that. So the, the aim must be achievable. If you don't like that, that, that analogy, think about me trying to become like GoFax. You see, it's not a good aim. I must maintain a weight where my doctor will be happy. And she will stop complaining when I go for my annual physical. But I'm not supposed to set an aim. Auntie Felicia is laughing. I'm not supposed to set an aim like I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to become like GoFax or like Zoe. It's not a good aim. It's, it's a bad aim to have. So the British military teaches that this 
A single unambiguous aim is the keystone of successful military operations. A single one, you see a lot of us, we have too many aims. One person, you are going to become as rich as Oprah Winfrey. You are going to keep your home as nice as Martha Stewart. And then you are going to look like Halle Berry. It's too many things to do. Pick one. If you can focus on it, in the achieving of that one, you may get a little closer to a couple of the others, but not that you are going to be good in all those spheres. Hey, it's too much. You get me? One person. You are going to look like Halle Berry. You are going to keep your home like Martha Stewart. And then you are going to have money like Oprah Winfrey. It's not a single unambiguous aim. Single unambiguous. Unambiguous means that when you state the aim, you yourself are not confused. The people who are following you, they are not confused. Nobody is confused about what it is you are attempting to achieve. A lot of us can't achieve anything because we don't have a clue what we are about. If your, 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 one of your greatest aims in life is to serve your Lord and Master Jesus Christ, make it clear. If under that you intend to have a, a good marriage, make it clear. If under that you intend to raise Christian children, make it clear. If under that you intend to bear fruit for the... You see, your aims must be clear. You need, but the main one, you can have a few other aims. Main one must be single, unambiguous. Unambiguous. We like too many ambiguous things. Nothing about you is clear. The Russian armed forces cause this principle steadfastness. 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 The American military calls this principle objective. Simple. One word, objective. They are taught to direct every military operation toward a clearly defined, decisive, and attainable objective. You see, it's clearly defined, number one. It is decisive, number two. And it is an attainable object. I told you about trying to do things which you will never be able to do. And an, an attainable objective. Today, the church has forgotten for the most part. I'm reading, I'm just paraphrasing what Bishop is saying in this chapter. That our one and only aim is to win the lost souls of this world for Jesus Christ. Paul had this one aim. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, so we can have very few ministers of the gospel who aim at only principally talking about Jesus Christ and the crucifixion. You can have people who feel that the crucifixion is too bloody and too messy and too controversial a subject. The kind of thing that when you talk about Christians and you, you upset the people around. I remember when The Passion of the Christ came out, the movie The Passion of the Christ came out some years back at Easter time. Some people said, well, what is this messy thing that Mel Gibson has put together? That he's a crazy Jewish actor and he has made eh, Christianity look so messy. But if you have actually read your Bible, the passion of the Christ, the one that was 
directed or produced by Mel Gibson is the closest we have ever seen to the Bible. Because there is no way, there is no way you can, if you understand the history of the times, there is no way you can crucify a person and he will be lying on that piece of wood looking so serene with only a trickle of blood coming through his fingers. How is that possible? It was, it was a form of cruel punishment that is detailed in history books. If you, if you went through it, you could only look like what Mel Gibson portrayed in The Passion of the Christ. You could only look something like that, close to that, or worse than that. And that is why it upset so many people. Because people want to forget that that is what happened. That, that, is, that, that, that we are supposed to preach Christ. You see, so what happens is that a backsliding Christian or a backsliding church, we select our own aim. It is like a child in the house. Your parents have sent you to school. But you have selected another aim as you are on the campus or as you are in the secondary school. You are, you, the, your parents sent you to school to get a degree. You have arrived there. You have selected an aim to be the most popular student on campus. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, you, your aim and your parents' aim, they are two different things. So sometimes the church is like that. The church, we have selected down through the years. We have our own aim. And our aim is typically, of a, uh, when we are backsliding, to have a happy marriage, a successful career, lots of money, and breakthroughs. I'm reading directly from the book. I'm not making it up. But I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but it's, I'm right, reading directly. It said that the selected aim of the backsliding Christian church is to have a happy marriage, a successful career, lots of money, and breakthroughs. The real aim of the church is to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the Great Commission. There's a reason why it's called the Great Commission. There's a reason why it is called the Great Commission. Our aim, that aim was selected by the Lord Jesus before he left the earth. He said, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. So, it is important for an army to maintain its aim. What aims have you selected for your ministry, for your life? What aim do you have as a Christian? Is it church growth? Are you interested in church growth? Are you interested in evangelism? This is the month of evangelism. Even in this month, today is the 24th, you have still not been able to witness to anybody, let alone pray for anybody to be saved. Even in this month of evangelism, and the thing is supposed to be a lifestyle. Think about it. Is it an aim at all? If you are still in July, nothing done. You haven't gone, in fact, you have gone to church less this July than at any other time. Depending on who you are. Even this month of evangelism, Tuesday service is still difficult. Uh, by, by the grace of God or by, I mean, whatever other grace, we don't have accommodation issues. So, Friday, you have been spared Friday. At least try on the Tuesday and the Sunday. Or, Reverend Joe, if the aim is to do the work of God, then the more you hear the word, the more it will come out of your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. So if you hear it often, you are more likely to speak it than not to speak it. Amen. It is important for an army to maintain its aim. Are you interested in the anointing, in church building? The aim, it has to be selected, then it has to be maintained. Throughout history, armies that violated this principle lost the wars. Remember that anyone who chases two rabbits will lose them both. 
Think about how quick rabbits are. Then you alone, you don't run like, even Hussein Bolt cannot chase two rabbits at the same time. And you don't run like Hussein Bolt. You see? So large Christian areas of Africa have been taken over by other religions. So the aim of the church is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It shouldn't be a forgotten instruction in the church. It shouldn't be a forgotten instruction in our lives. It shouldn't be. It really, really shouldn't be. I, you know, when I, 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 I wanted to get a degree in history when I left secondary school, my dad said, no, you're going to study law. But what I really wanted to do was to get a degree in history. I've always found it easy to study history. I don't have to do much about the dates. Up to today, if I wake up and I see the dates, I can remember whose birthday in my class it was. Up to today, unless you were my friend. I just see the date, I know that it's this girl's birthday. There's just something about dates and history, and it's a subject I naturally am happy with. Reverend says it's a useless, used to say it was a useless subject, so Bishop began to say that it was a, it's a good subject to learn. So nowadays, they are all into history. But some of us, by the grace of God, history has always been, was always my favorite subject in school. My dad just didn't want me to get stuck in it, so he wouldn't let me go and get a degree in it. But when I got to this chapter in the book, I remembered how we study European history. And one of the portions of European history I never got a chance to study because I had no exam on it was the Second World War. So this, when, you, when you read about Adolf, Adolf Hitler or Adolf Hitler, when I was, where I grew up, we call him Adolf Hitler. In this country, they call him Adolf Hitler. Depending on where you are coming from, when I say Adolf, you can say Adolf. It's a potato, potato, tomato, tomato, depending where you come from, it all works. So, Adolf Hitler caused the death of 50 million people. So, we are going to talk about selection and maintenance of the aim and the invasion of Russia. Selection and maintenance of the aim and the invasion of Russia. Because Adolf Hitler. Did not, was not content with what, where he had arrived in the war. And then he decided to go and invade Russia. It was his worst mistake. Because when you, when you select and maintain the aim, you must stick to it. So we want to learn from Adolf Hitler. You know, sometimes you can learn from a bad person. You can learn a good principle from a bad person. Like Lady Reverend tells the ladies, all the wives, that you can learn a lot of good things from a bad person like Delilah. You get me? You just have to read her story. If you read it well enough, a good woman can learn a lot of things from the story of Delilah. So we can learn something from Adolf Hitler about selecting and maintaining an E. So here is Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. He has decided that he had a vision for the world. And he said that his dreams, his anti-Semitic views and particularly the need for Germany to acquire more land from where he could feed Germany. If he had stuck to that the Jews would have been safe and he himself would have been safe. What he wanted was more land to grow more food for Germany. He called this living space. So remember he's, he's there's a German word for it, but I'm not a German student, so I'll leave it to those of you who understand German to read. When you read it, then you tell us how to pronounce the word, so I won't try it. But the meaning of the word in English is living space. 
So he selected his aim. His aim was living space. And then he said that once this vision of uh, um, getting living space for Germany was achieved, then the next thing he would do was invade Russia. That's how we all are. You have your aim. Then you have decided that after the aim, you will go and do something completely different. The thing about an aim is that you have to maintain it. You have to maintain the aim. So here he is. He captured Ukraine. Once he captured Ukraine, he had achieved his goal. He had living space. He had the space in which he could grow all the food he wanted to grow to feed Germany. Will he be content? No. The Bible says godliness and contentment. It's, a, it's what? Great gain. But evil people. So sometimes when you are not content with something, you ask yourself, am I becoming like Adolf Hitler? Am I becoming evil? Godliness and contentment. Great gain. So here he is. He has Ukraine under his control. He has the agricultural basket that he, he needed. If he had maintained his aim of just acquiring more living space as he wrote in his book, he would not have sent his armies to Moscow where they were destroyed. His demonic hatred for Russians inspired him to press on to his own destruction. It is wise to always remember and maintain your original aim. It is wisdom. But sometimes something takes hold of you. A demonic hatred for someone else. A demonic envy for what somebody else has. Possesses you and then you must work to get it. Demonic hatred for the person. These Russians, they are sitting somewhere in the very cold parts of the world. A colder part than where you are. They are not people who give up on anything. I remember Bishop preaching once and talking about Russians and saying, talking about the inexorability of the mission. The inexorability of the mission is another principle of war. It comes from the Russian army. It means that even if you die, achieving the aim, you must die. They, you can't come back. When they send you forth, you, you, you only retain when you have achieved the, the aim. Inexorability. Russians are people, they don't give up. You see Putin, you people think he's joking. <laughs> he wants the USSR back. They, 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 if you have ever studied anything about them in a history book, they never turn back. The, the English word is inexorable. The inexorability of the mission. So these people are minding their own business. And you, Hitler, you are cheating on all the Europeans around you. He should have stuck to the people around him. The Polish and the uh, the other people, uh, Czech, uh, Czech, Czechoslovakia and Romania and those people. He should have just stuck with those people. His biggest mistake was taking on the Russians because he did not maintain his aim. So here he is. He has captured Ukraine. He has what he says he wanted. That's another thing about evil people. They lie. When you are evil, you lie a lot. You say, this is what I want. But once you get that, you push on. Never content, never satisfied with your lot. 
In August 1941, the German forces were on the move to Moscow. They didn't need to go to Moscow. They captured a city called Smolensk. It's an important stronghold to Moscow. You see, and sometimes that's how the devil gets us. He allows us one victory whilst he reels you into your destruction. Where you are going, it will not end well. But he knows that you are not thinking far. And you don't think far. So because you don't think far, and you do what uh, Bishop Joel used to call one-step logic, but the kind of person believes that if I take this one step, all my problems are solved. So it's like you get to Smolensk and you beat them. Oh, we are going to Moscow. It's not as easy as it looks. Because you shouldn't have been going to Moscow in the first place. So, the gem, so he captures the city called Smolensk. Then he orders his forces to attack two key cities to the north and the south. These cities were Leningrad and Kiev. This change of plan greatly affected his ability to capture Moscow. And then as, he, as the person goes, they are, because they are greedy, then they add other things. Okay, now we did Smolensk. Now let's take Leningrad. Now let's take Kiev. Then, because he went to take Leningrad and Kiev as well, it delayed his plan to get to Moscow. When you read the original story, the whole story, by the time he got to Moscow, the Russian winter is not a joke. When you hear of Siberia and all these places, they are real. The Russian winter is not a joke for people who are not used to it. By the time he was done doing all these side things, he had arrived at Moscow at the wrong time. In the winter, his people were so frozen, they was like, as for this world, we have to stop. So the, the people are demoralized, they are tired, your resources have dwindled greatly. So this change in the plan, here he is. That's the reason why he lost the war. Not maintaining the aim. If you are interested in the story, it's one of the most interesting, even watching it on the, on the History Channel is interesting. If you like history. If you don't like history, of course you will sleep. But if you like history, it's interesting. But one of the things it teaches you is that when you select an aim, you have to maintain it. You select the aim, you maintain. As a church, we have to ask ourselves sometimes, what are we about? Why do we come? Why didn't you do your laundry today? Why didn't you sleep today? There are people who are doing their laundry. Why didn't you sleep today? Why didn't you go? I, I used to work with a girl. The whole weekend she sleeps. Then around 4 p.m. on Sunday, she emerges from her room. Then she goes and does her grocery shopping. Then she cleans her house. Then she comes back to work on Monday refreshed. You get me? When you have spent the whole weekend doing church work. And she used to think that we were crazy. You get me? Because her aim, is her only aim is her career. You, you get what I'm saying? She's done very well in it because she knows how to select the aim and maintain the aim. In 20 years, she has a lot of money. In 20 years, she has passed every exam she should pass. In 20 years, the only thing she's not too happy about is the way her children are turning out. But as for their career and as for their money, she has. Because that was her aim. And you can't fault her for that. You can't wish that you had her money. You can't wish that you had her career. Because you didn't put in the effort she put into her career. You didn't put in the effort she put into getting the money. When she lives, where she lives far away from New York City, you get what I'm saying? She lives deep into, into, into really deep into Pennsylvania. 
She's in the city by 8.30 every single morning for over 20 years. You cannot have her money. <laughs> you can't have it. And you cannot have her corner office on the floor of her thing. She has worked very hard to arrive in that corner office. Yes. She has worked very hard for the privilege of sitting in a limo whenever she's tired after midnight. You can't have it. She's a wise person because she selected one aim 22 to 24 years ago when she came to this country. One aim. She will not let anything, not church, not anything disturb the aim. Anything that would, she said, she doesn't, I mean, she always say, I don't mind being a Christian. But anything that affects her aim, she does not do. Uh-huh. You too, you say you are a Christian. But you don't stick to the aim. If you are a Christian, in 22 years, you don't have her money. In 22 years, you don't have her corner office. In 22 years, you can't wear the clothes she wears. In 22 years, you can't drive the car she drives. What do you have when you do not maintain the aim? When you are so easily discouraged about Christianity and what you are doing. You've been doing it. I remember years ago, Bishop Saki used to preach this message. You have come too far to return. And some of us from time to time, we need to hear that message. You have come too far to return. For how many years? And my reverend told me once, I mean, don't even think about it. You, you've been on this road for too long. The only thing you can do now is to maintain the aim. It's only the people who are young who are now selecting the aim. Depending on who you are, you have put too much into it. It's been how many years in counting? It's been, for some of us, when I met the bishop, I tell people, when I met the bishop, his name was Daggy Wood Mills. He was Calvary Road Overseer on Legon Campus. I was 19 years old. It's been too long. Only thing left to do, the only wise thing left to do is to maintain the aim. But if you are young, maybe you think you have a choice. You, you get what I'm saying? But think carefully. You are a Christian. What other choice do you have? You are either in or you are out. Don't be like Adolf Hitler. You have what you if you, you, if you, if you stick to your aim, you will not be destroyed. It's when you try to add so many other things to the aim. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a career. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work. But whilst you are doing it, remember that your most important aim as a Christian is to serve the Lord. So, and 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Then it ends this way, it says, For as much as ye know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He is a faithful God. As we serve him, he will bless us. He will take care of us. He's a good, good God. So once you have selected the aim, maintain it. Stand up to your feet and let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for today. And we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. It is my prayer, Lord, that everyone who has heard me today, Lord, you will help them to maintain their aim if they already selected it. And if you never selected it, 
I give you a chance to select it. You select it by inviting, inviting him into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Inviting him into your heart. Inviting him into your heart. Saying that, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to, I, I want to just ask you to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me. If you are praying this prayer for the first time, please put up your hand. Amen. Father, we thank you for blood-bought salvation. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that because you are so good, you can help us, Lord. You can help us to maintain the aim, to select the aim. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, I know I didn't let you guys sing. So you can sing now. I need to take a, I need to think a bit about what I'm doing. So sing, please. into the God's storehouse this morning please um, ask for an envelope get ready for text to give um, and if you're, if you're giving a second offering you wait and let um, those who are giving their tithe come forward
Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over again, and it shall come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. If you are giving a second offering in God's house this morning, please um, lift up your hands and the ashes will take your offering. I know I'm interrupting your flow, but be happy. I've been preaching along well. So, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and running over. Give and it shall come back to you. When you give, you give to the Lord. Oh, give and it shall come back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and running over. Give and it shall come back to you. When you give, this message or other such messages, please write to us at tapesandpublications at yahoo.com.